You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olale or IKEA Christian Center Global. Get set to be edified. The word works. All right, so today we are going to be looking at doctrinal matters. Doctrinal matters. Huh. Doctrine. This series is one that I do expect everybody to take seriously. Every single one of us to take seriously. We need to take it seriously and we need to make sure that um, there is an understanding that we have where it concerns this. Doctrine is a very important issue. But you find that because a lot of people do not understand how doctrinal beliefs are arrived at and how doctrinal beliefs, um, um, how will I put it now, how you can identify what is true doctrine and what is false doctrine, all right, you now find that doctrine has become a major reason why a lot of people um, fight themselves, right? Now, if you, if you just went to some folks on social media who, you know, usually post doctrinal subjects and look at the comment sections, you're going to see a lot of fights, a lot of arguments, and people begin to abuse each other. Then, uh, you know, people begin to throw RSC and things like that. And before you know what is going on, there is a lot of um, schism due to doctrine. But if everybody understood how to study their Bible, if everybody understood how um, you can identify true teachings, true doctrine, and know what, which is true and which is false, then it will now be easy for you to bring everybody into harmony when it comes to Bible teaching. Hallelujah. So very, very important. It will be easy for you to bring everybody to harmony through Bible teaching. So what we're going to do is, during this month of March, we are going to look at quite a bit of you know, doctrinal subjects that a lot of people um, have different opinions about. For example, about women preachers, all right, about um, Trinity. We're going to try to see how we can put that in there. Then about tongues. Then also we have about covering of hair, wearing trousers and things like that. Now, some of those things and some of those matters look to be very, very inconsequential inconsequential it looks very you know it doesn't make sense it's not serious but the truth about it is it is usually the unserious looking matters that cause the most problem in church in acts of apostles chapter 6 what caused the first fight is not food <laughs> it was food <laughs> it was about rice distribution it was not about we didn't pray it was not about we didn't give it was not about we didn't do Bible study. No, it was because about food. The love didn't reach my side. That was what caused fight in the early church, Acts 6. So that lets you know that those unserious looking matters actually have one of the greatest effects. So get ready. This is not Nazi school teaching. This is a bit, be a bit, you know, a bit um, tough. It's not strong meat, but it's not soft meat either. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let us begin. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. It says there, quickly, are we posting scriptures? Huh? 
You are still working on it. All right, can we read the scriptures on our Bibles? The things, the things that are what ahead of me amongst. Commit thou to what faithful. Who will be able to what? So we see there that doctrine is transmitted. It is handed over from one person to the other. He said, the things that thou hast heard of me amongst many witnesses, all right, commit thou to what? Faithful men who shall be able to what? Teach others also. So Paul is saying, I have taught the things you heard me teach. Okay? So that means the things Paul taught were a body of truth. And he had taught others. He had taught people. He's now telling his son Timothy, the things that you have heard me teach. So you were in the meetings. I taught you. He says now, take that truth, commit it to others, faithful men, all right, who will be able to what? Teach others also. So that means truth is propagated by teaching. Truth is propagated by teaching. Now, let us look at that word doctrine for a bit. Doctrine. The word doctrine appears 51 times in the Bible. The word doctrine. It appears 51 times in the Bible. Although, it's not, that's not the only form, alright, because, you know, doctrine is the English appearing as doctrine in the Bible, but there are other expressions which can also be doctrine. But let us just go with it. Alright, the word doctrine appears 51 times in the Bible. It appears six times in the Old Testament, but 45 times in the New Testament. Six times in the Old Testament, and 45 times in the New Testament. Hallelujah. Then we have that that word appears 12 times in the Gospels, Four times in the book of Acts, 20 times in the epistles, all right? Then three times in Revelations. Praise God. Praise God. So 25 times, sorry, in the epistles and three times in the book of Revelations. Okay? So when you have a word that is mentioned, mentioned that often, you begin to see that's important. Doctrine, 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 doctrine. Now let us define doctrine. What is doctrine? I will define it contemporarily. Then later on, we will now go into scriptures and begin to pick examples there. Then we now begin to look at look at it. Okay, all right. Doctrine can be defined as a set of beliefs, a set of belief truths, instructions. Taught by a religious group, taught by a religious group, and held as sacred for worship by the set, by, by, by said group. So it's a set of beliefs, truths, instructions. Held to be sacred, all right, by a religious group and used for instruction, moral instruction by that group. That's what doctrine is. So doctrine is a set of teachings, 
That's what, you know, doctrine is. Now, there are three words in the Greek used for in the Bible, in the New Testament Bible. Three words used for doctrine, all right, in the New Testament Bible. And when we look at the, those words, there is going to be a better understanding, okay, we have a better understanding of doctrine and the evolution of it. And you now begin to find out that the fact that somebody preaches from the scriptures does not mean that the person is communicating the doctrine of Christ. You will begin to see that. You will see that somebody can quote the scriptures and come to a wrong conclusion. Amen? Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were quoting from the scriptures, but they were misinterpreting it. Then you have the devil. In Matthew chapter 4, he was quoting from the scriptures, but he was what? Misinterpreting it. So we even see from the temptation of Jesus that one of the major arbiters of the devil's operation is that he misinterprets the scriptures. One major thing the devil does, and one major thing the devil operates via, is in the misinterpretation of the scriptures. Now look at Matthew chapter 7. All right, verse 28. The first word I want to introduce to you that is translated as doctrine in the New Testament is the Greek word, is the word didache. All right, didache. That's D-I-D-A-C-H-E. Didache. Now, look at Matthew chapter... Are we there? And 28. Matthew chapter 7. And 28. Look how this is. He says, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his what? At his what? Doctrine. Doctrine. For he taught them as one having what? Authority. And not as the word the scribes. Now, he says, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. They were astonished at his didache. And for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we see here that didache, all right, if you look at verse 29, in the qualification of the didache, he says Jesus taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So that means it was in the manner of his presentation. It was in the way he taught. Praise God. He did not teach it as someone who was just communicating something flippantly. No. He taught as someone who had expertise and understanding of what he was teaching. So Jesus, when we're talking about didache, didache is not just talking, let, let's look, let, let me just explain this quickly. All right, didache is a set of instructions. Write this down. Didache, when you see doctrine as didache in the Bible, it refers to a set of instructions, all right, or speech that communicates, all right, Bible truths. But more importantly, didache refers to the uh, methodology of that communication. The method, the, system, the systematic 
manner in which the doctrine is communicated. I'll give you an example. If you go to St. Luke's Gospel chapter 24 and 27, Jesus wanted to uh, show the, apostles, the, the disciples who walked with him to Emmaus that what had happened in his death, burial and resurrection was supposed to happen. Are you following? Now, what did Jesus do? Remember we said in that chair, he's talking about a speech, a set of instructions, religious instructions, that is founded, or that is better seen in the systematic way those set of instructions is what is presented. So that means if we want to teach on sanctification, one person can just come and say sanctification is this and that, and now begin to look for every place in the Bible where the word sanctify appears, all right, and it does a teaching. But another person now comes and does a systematic breakdown of sanctification, starting from Genesis, Exodus, and it goes to Malachi, then it brings us into the epistles. So you will find out that this person's manner of presentation is different from the other one who just comes and begins to speak about sanctification, quoting words from scriptures without really doing any proper explanation. I don't know if you understand what I just said. All right. Now, let me show you. So if you look at St. Luke's Gospel chapter 24, Luke Gospel chapter 24 and 27. Now, because you will now understand why when somebody would ask questions like, is salvation eternal? And instead of me giving a yes or no answer, I would rather want to take the person from Genesis and take the person to Malachi, and take the person to everywhere salvation appears in the scripture, and take the person into the sacrifice of Jesus, how that it was an eternal sacrifice. So that manner of presenting truth is called the what? The didache. Praise God. You understand? Because what was emphasized in the scripture we read was the way Jesus thought. He says, for he taught as one having authority and not like the word described. So that word separates his own, you know, you know, his way of communicating truth. Praise God. Now look at Luke 24, 24, 27. Or let us start from verse 24. He says, and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. 25, look at this. Look at it. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He is teaching them. He is setting forth doctrine. But see what he says. He says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Then to now explain what he has said. The Bible says, I'm beginning at what? Moses and all the what? Prophets. He what? expounded unto them in all the what the scriptures the things concerning what so that means the presentation of the doctrine of jesus was systematically done are you seeing that so in the presentation of doctrine there was a system there was a method to jesus um, teaching there was a system and a method to the presentation of, of the doctrine you understand? So, because I'm going to show you later on that if the system and the method of 
exegesis of explanation of that doctrine is wrong, then the doctrine can never be right. Hallelujah. When you listen to the manner of the explanation of the subject matter, if it is wrong, then what is the output of that system cannot be right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, for example, we see Jesus beginning and Moses, and in all the prophets, he expounded unto them. So that means what Jesus did was to teach a particular doctrinal matter, and he presented it as, as consistent in every book of the Bible. Glory to God. So, one of the major signs of right doctrine is that that doctrinal position will not have any opposition from all the books of the Bible. So that means when you want to teach a particular subject, praise God, there must be consistent reference from every single part of the Bible that what you have taught is correct. Are you following what I'm saying? Uh-huh. You cannot just go and be cherry-picking stuff and just pick this one, pick this one, pick this one. Then ignore the one that seems to contradict your position. Praise God. So, if you do that, yes, you will have a doctrine, glory to God, but your method was wrong. So, it means that since your method was wrong, what doctrine will you arrive at? You arrive at a what? A false doctrine. Come on, are you with me? Uh-huh. So, this is very, very important for us to know. Let's also look at another scripture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 23. On that place where the word didache was mentioned. Now, I want to make very, very stress that every single time the word doctrine was used in the gospel, it was the Greek word didache. Every time that word doctrine was used, it was the word didache, and it was used in connection to what Jesus, Jesus said. Are we there? Matthew 22 and 23. Can we read it? Want to go? Matthew 22 and 23. Matthew 22, 23. You know, Pastor Tyro, before you walked in, all right, my, in my spirit, I was like, where is this woman? You know, because I think you were around last week, right? And I said, well, why is she not here? I just checked in my spirit. Amen. Praise God. Now, can you said the same day came. Uh huh. What does he say? The Sadducees, we said that there is no rejoicing and asked him. Uh, next one, what does he say? Uh huh. No, no, okay, let's go to Mark 1 22. Mark 1 22. So, Mark chapter 1 verse 22. Can we open the English? Let's read it. What does it say? It says what? And people were what? Amazed at what? He taught them as one that what had authority. Mark 12, 38. So Mark 1, 22 is the same thing as Matthew 7, 28. Is that correct? Now let's look at Mark 12, 38. What does it say quickly? And he said unto them, in his what? In his what? Beware of the scribes which love to go in what? Long clothing and love salutations in the marketplace. So that word also is the dache. All right, in his teaching, in his manner of speaking, all right, the way he presented it, that is what the Dutch is communicating. Then you have the second word, which is, which is translated doctrine also in the Bible, is the word didaskalia. Didaskalia. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. 
Now, what does didascalia refer to? Didascalia, D-I-D-A-S-K-A-L-I-A. It refers to um, the contents. It refers to what is actually being said. Praise God. What is actually being said? The teaching. So, the message. You understand? The message. Why Daidach talks about the manner of presentation. Daidach talks about the system at which the system employed. All right. The methodology employed at arriving at a message, at arriving at the conclusions. Praise God. The Daskalia is focusing on what the teacher is saying. Okay? The Daskalia. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He said that we end forth, Ephesians 4, 14, that we end forth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of what? So that means... When he says every wind of doctrine, he's saying what people are saying, what they are saying, what different people are teaching from the word. You understand? The Daskalia has to do with the message. Every wind of doctrine. All right? He says, by the slate of men and cunning craftiness, where they lie in wait to deceive. Let's look at 1 Timothy 1 3, the Daskalia. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, as I sought, besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some, that they teach no other word, doctrine. So it's talking about the message, the content. Okay? That they teach no other doctrine. All right, let's look at 1 Timothy 4.13. First Timothy 4 and verse 13. It says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to acceptation, to doctrine. So, because you see, before we say this is the doctrine we believe, hallelujah, we need to be able to arrive at it. Are you, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So, for example, we say um, um, there is nothing wrong with women wearing trousers. Or trouser wearing does not affect your righteousness with God. Are you following? You cannot just come. So, so uh, somebody can come and their didas, didascalia, that means their message is, anyone who wears trousers will go to hell. Why? Deuteronomy 22 verse 5. You know? Thou shalt not wear that which pertain to a man. It's a teaching. That's the content. But the problem is, what was the didache? What was the system? The methodology? To arrive at that conclusion. Are you following? So that is why, when somebody comes with a doctrinal position, you need to ask the person, okay, come, let us look at the scriptures. How did you arrive here? Are you following? If that person's methodology is wrong, then you will be able to show the person why what he or she is teaching is what is wrong. Hallelujah. It's very, very important. Very, very, very important. Praise God. Very, very important. This is why biblical hermeneutics, the law of Bible interpretation, is a very, very important key. Hallelujah. In arriving at sound doctrine. If the Bible is not properly interpreted, if you are not able to properly interpret the Bible, 
you are always going to arrive at doctrinal positions that will leave you exposed to manipulation of the devil and manipulation by evil men and women. Hallelujah. So, the manner of reading, the manner of teaching, the system, the methodology, very important. Then we now come to the didascalia that talks about what we say when we teach. What we say when we teach. Glory to God. Amen. Then the third word that's translated, you know, doctrine or teaching is the Dasco, Matthew 15, 9. Now, let's look at Matthew 15, 9. Because in Matthew 15, 9, we have kind of like two words in there. In Matthew 15, 9, you have a couple of words there. Can we turn in there, please? Matthew 15 and verse 9. Now look at what it says. It says what? But in vain do they what? Worship me. Teaching for what? Doctrines. The what? Now, this is very important. When it says, but in vain do they worship me. It means that people can worship God in vain. Huh? He said, but in vain do they worship me. He says, because um, um, teaching for doctrines, the commandment of the Lord. What That means, listen to me. <laughs> your worship is tied to your doctrine. Man cannot worship God away from his belief system. So, if the doctrine is false, the worship will be empty. Doctrine is what powers everything. Your singing, your punctuality to church, whether or not you go for evangelism, all right, the kind of songs you sing, the content of the songs, how you live your life, what you allow, what you don't allow. Your is a doctrine. The system of truth, the belief system. But if, if there is something wrong with that doctrine, then something will be wrong with the worship. It says teaching for doctrines. The word teaching there is didasco, then doctrines there is didascalia. It says teaching for uh, doctrines, the commandments of men. Now, notice what I told you. That didascalia has to do with what? The contents. So that's why you can find that in the didascalia, the content is a commandment of men. It's not the Bible. <laughs> it's not the Bible. So, uh, <laughs> there was uh, something I saw. There was a church, right? It said, um, the, said the woman, or, or the man and the woman, had done a traditional marriage. So that means they got married at the, you know, the families. They've gone, done the families, have done the marriage. Then they went on and they did the court marriage. Right? But, because the woman went to visit the guy or something, one stuff like that, and they went to the church marriage, and they found out that they didn't have sex or anything. I think the woman went to the guy's house and something like that, because, and in their church it was forbidden for the guy to want to go to the house or something like that. The church refused to marry those two people. Are you, are you paying attention? The church refused to marry them and told them that according to the church, they were not married. Are you following what I'm saying? 
that they were not married. Now, what is that? No, yeah, 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 because what is that? The question I will now ask is this. If we are going to now judge that case, we now have to open the Bible. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the first thing we'll do. We now have to open the Bible. First thing we now find out is we'll apply the law of first mention. Where was marriage first mentioned in the Bible? Huh? No, marriage was not mentioned in Genesis. It was illustrated in Genesis for this cause. How we know marriage was spoken about in Genesis is because Jesus quoted Genesis 2, all right, um, in Matthew 19, when they were asking him concerning divorce. Are you following? So, in our explanation, in our didache concerning marriage, we will now systematically explain marriage. As what? For this cause shall a man leave his what? Father and what? Mother and be joined to what? The wife. It means the mechanism of living and joining is from father. Hallelujah. And mother, not church. Are you people hearing what I'm saying? It's not church. Which means the sending, the giving away party is father. And mother. Not pastor and bishop. Are you following what I'm saying? So in the evolution of that didache of marriage, we will now begin to look at examples of marriage in Old Testament. How did they marry? Praise God. When Isaac married Rebekah, did you see a priest there? No. When David married all of the wives he married, did you see a priest there? No. Hallelujah. When you look at the Old Testament, the law of Moses, what was the mechanism of marriage? Did you see any religious ceremony where two people enter temple and stuff? No. In fact, in the Old Testament, the married people never approach the temple. None. In the, in the Gospels, when we have the marriage at Cana, Jesus attended as a guest. He wasn't there to officiate. In fact, in the epistles, we don't have any example of any guidelines concerning officiating marriage in church. Are you paying attention? Which therefore means that marriage is twofold. It is familial and it is what? Customary. Sorry, uh, governmental. That means it is something that is judicial. That means in your, the legality of the, where you stay and uh, first and foremost about family. Now, can church come and conduct a wedding ceremony? There's nothing wrong with it. But what are they doing? What are we doing when we are doing that ceremony? Hallelujah. We are barely acknowledging the decision. That the two people getting married have made, sanctioned by who? Parents. That's what we are doing. We are doing what? Acknowledging. Because the players in scripture is father, mother, and the children. Is somebody following what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So you now understand that the other one you are seeing around is what is called what? Doctrines of what? Men. It's not, this is not, this is, uh, <laughs> you understand? It's doctrines of men. 
race of men. Because if we sit down in the Bible now, you cannot. There's not you forget it. We can dribble ourselves like Maradona. But in terms of what is in that the Bible, forget it. What, what is there is there. We can dance like this and do a real look over, but what is there is there. Praise the Lord. Up to the 17th century. It's, it's, most even in the Catholic, they were not doing wedding inside the church. It wasn't. It's to go and read history of. It was not done inside the church. In fact, uh, um, uh, up to the 19th, 20th century, nobody did wore white to get married. They wore black. The person that changed it was Queen Elizabeth. Not this one, no. The other, the first one. Queen Elizabeth I. She got married and wore white, and it was also everybody that wanted to marry like. So everybody wanted to have an Elizabethan wedding. So they now started wearing white. So that's why you guys could now call white wedding. And people are, forget the issue now call white wedding the church wedding. <laughs> it has nothing inside. It's not scripture. That is if you understand. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. It's a simple thing. So, the method, the system. So when somebody comes and says, takes a doctrinal position, you say, no problem. Let us examine the system, the methodology you used to arrive here. So we will begin at Moses. Hallelujah. And all of the prophets. Glory to God. Then we will enter the Gospels. Then we will finish at the Epistles. Then we will now see whether what you have said holds water. Someone comes and says, women should not be preachers. Because Paul said, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor have what authority over the man. You, say, you can't just do that. You can't now say, uh, let us now answer the question from what Paul said. No. I don't know if you understand. That is not the didache. The right didache. That's not the right methodology. We will have to follow the methodology of Jesus. Should women or are women to be in ministry? We will begin in Genesis. Hallelujah. You understand? That is where we will begin. Was the dominion mandate given to just Adam or Adam and Eve? That's the first place we start. Amen? Praise God. Male and female created he them. And he said unto them, Be what? Be fruitful. And what? Multiply. And if that mandate was to mass produce all men after the image of Christ, and he gave the mandate to both male and female, it means that both male and female are commissioned into the work. Then we go again into Judges. Then we now see Deborah, the wife of Lapidot, who was called a what? Prophetess. Hallelujah. She was a prophetess. Then we have prophetess Anna in the Gospels. Glory to God. In the Gospels. So you know, that is where you now talk about the, the that you understand. That's why you because if it is if it is true, it has to be true every time. So after we have now gone through everything, we now go to the prophets, Joel 2. On the last days, I shall pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall what? Prophesy. So that means if the sons are prophesying and the daughters are prophesying, and what is prophesying? Preaching under inspiration. Declaring a word of the Lord under the anointing of God's spirit. 
If the daughters are doing the prophesying, it means God is using the daughters for ministry. Hallelujah. Then we will now go, praise God, into Acts of Apostles. In Acts of Apostles, what do we find there? We find that women were among the 120 who preached in Act 2, including the mother of Jesus. Hallelujah. Including the mother of Jesus. She got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues and preached. Then in Mark 16, this sign shall follow them that believe. It didn't say this sign shall follow male believers. He said they shall cast out devils. Glory to God. Is that not ministry? They shall speak in other tongues. Is that not ministry? If they shall lay hands on any deadly thing, it shall not handle. Is that not ministry? Then we enter the apostles, um, the, the epistles, and we find out that there were what? There were apostles in the epistles. Apostle Junior was a woman. Praise God. I said, Praise God. We had Priscilla. She was a woman. She was an apostle. Priscilla. Then we had the elect lady of 2 John. She was a woman. Ministry gifts. Women. Praise God. So after we have now gone through, we've now seen that there is overwhelming evidence. Are you seeing the didache here? Come on, are you seeing the system? Are you seeing the methodology? Uh -huh. We will now say there is overwhelming evidence and proof that we are women ministries, ministers. So the question now will now be, what was Paul now talking about? That is how to, that is the method. You cannot just sit down in one place and now begin to do exegesis in one spot. No, that is not the Jesus way of Bible exegesis. Jesus would begin at Moses and in all the prophets. Hallelujah. So you will find out that in the Gospels, you will find that Jesus will quote Isaiah in one place. You now say, go to Jeremiah in, in the same context. Why? Because he is using several portions of the scriptures. To present a doctrinal truth. That is his methodology. Because that which is said or taught concerning a particular subject must have confirmation in different parts of the Bible for it to be true. So we have the law of the witness. Where, where two or three. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a matter or a thing be what? Established. So that means you cannot establish Bible truth on the witness of one person. Look at it now. We want to talk about eternal salvation. Someone comes and comes and builds their own case on two verses of scripture. But I come with my over 400 and something witnesses. You are not telling me that the two you have is greater than my 400 and something. No, now. Are you following what I'm saying? No, now. You have to first of all understand the 400 and something. Then we will now come and ask ourselves a question. These two, why is it there? What is he saying here? Are you following? That is system, that is method of Bible, Bible study. Glory to God. Someone comes and says, oh, a Christian can be generationally cursed and stuff like that. So we say, no problem. It can be generationally cursed. Fine. What we now do is this. We now have to go into the words and begin where? Genesis. You see, many times, eh, I found out that many believers, we, we actually have cliches that we, we, we belong to. 
like political parties. So someone just go, once saved, forever saved. I'm saved forever. I cannot, I don't need deliverance. Okay, fine. Whatever position you have arrived at, do you have, have you engaged a system? Do you understand the system of study that arrived at that position? Can you logically, systematically, methodologically, from the scriptures, piece part of the scriptures together? Amen? To emphatically teach that position? Or is it just my pastor said? Are you following? So it is very important for the method to be discovered by you. The method of arriving at Bible truth, that is the principles of Bible interpretation, to be known by you, praise God, understood by you, glory to God, understood, understood in how Jesus used it, amen, all right, how Paul used it, amen, when, in, in the presentation of Bible truth. Hallelujah. All right. Now let us continue because we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Now, one major, one major thing about the doctrine of Christ. One major, you see, one major way you will know that a doctrine is of Christ. So no matter what we teach and declare, one major way, way you will know that a doctrine is of Christ is that the doctrine is sound. What did I say? The doctrine is what? Sound. Hmm. Sound. A man can teach the right doctrine but present it in an unsound way. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I'll give you an example. Someone can come and, come and say, virginity will not get you to heaven. Is it true? Yes. It's the sacrifice of Jesus that gets to heaven, correct? Stop being proud with your virginity. There is a way you can stretch that truth. That the, women, the virgins in the church we begin to think the virginity is nothing. So since it's nothing, let them just go and look for a dustbin to throw it inside. So it is teaching a truth in a what? Unsound way. It's unsound. Someone comes and says, there is nothing you can do to lose your salvation. Is it true? Yes. But at the same time, the saved man is not looking for what to do to test whether losing his salvation is a possibility. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the saved man is not looking for, okay, now I'm saved. What do I now want to do to test the limits of the love of God? Mm -mm. The saved man is not doing that. Or someone says, oh, 
Um, we are saved forever. Even if a man renounced Jesus Christ, he's still saved. Even if a man confesses that Jesus is Lord, then he comes and confesses that Jesus is not Lord, Jesus is this, 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 that that first confession he made has given you eternal life forever. <laughs> I'm like, hey, bros, calm down. That's unsound doctrine. It's not sound. It is not sound. It is not sound. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? It is not sound. I will show you something. You see, because sound doctrine produces believers that are sound in the faith. Sound doctrine produces believers that are sound in the faith. Someone says, oh, we are righteous by the blood of Jesus, not by works we have done. Oh, I'm not righteous because I wear a, a long skirt. Uh, right? Even that lady with the mini skirt, she's righteous. She's a righteous in God Christ Jesus. Uh, she's as righteous as you are. It's correct. We know. Our righteousness is not based on our works. Our righteousness is based on what? On Jesus. But you see, sis, brother, continue that way. One time, you will find out that you will come to church, pastor, and all these sisters, they are wearing ministers, and you are seeing their pants and your preaching. I mean, now, it's not by righteousness now. Since it is uh, this thing, then you will now know that what you are teaching, you are teaching it in a what? In a non-sound way. Before you know, fornication will be everywhere, and people will be rejoicing the Holy Ghost. <laughs> they will fornicate at ours. <laughs> I mean, this kind of this stuff. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen. They teach righteousness, consciousness, and all of that. But when you stretch it and teach it in an unsound way, without understanding the rami, the repercussions of it. You will just find out that they will have, you will have a knowledgeable church that is into cliches. I know I am. I can come. I can come. Woo! Hey, hey, hey. But you know, you have a shambali bobo, shambali bobo. Yes, that. But what you will not find is that. <laughs> you know that. Sister, can you come out to share your phone, brother, or something? The pastor is sleeping with the secretary. You don't be seeing all those kind of stuff everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Because remember, I told you. The doctrine determines the worship. Are you following what I'm saying? The doctrine determines what? The worship. One highlight of the doctrine of Christ is that it is sound. Sound. Let us now look at what we mean by sound. Hmm. Sound doctrine. The word sound is the Greek udiano. It means healthy. Healthy. Free of error. So that means, just as I'm telling you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I must also tell you, praise God, all right, that love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Are you seeing that? I must also tell you that. Or when I tell you that all of the power of God is at work in you, I must also tell you this is the will of God, even our sanctification, that we want every man should know how to possess his body in sanctification and in honor. Sound doctrine. Hallelujah. Sound doctrine. You know, these days of 
Oh, no matter what I do, I'm sanctified. I'm the right of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I've We now find a lot of believers explaining why cohabiting is not wrong. They're explaining it. You see, you know, <laughs> it's not wrong. It's not no big deal. If I'm in the city and she's in the city. Amen. All right. And you know, you know, it's a city and it's cheap. You know, it's affordable. All right. We're just, you know, moving together and save costs on housing. <laughs> so I'm like, eh. So your most biology, those ones who are they saving costs too? Do they take a vacation? If someone tells me, me and my girlfriend, we stay in the same crib. Right? We stay in the same crib. We're speaking in tongues. We have, we have a lot of time of praying tongues together. Shagabundo Santo Pampa. <laughs> and nothing happens. I, I said, brother, there are a couple of possibilities, right? So either you are more righteous than the Son of God and you are right, nothing is happening with this lady you allegedly love physically, emotionally, everything like you're you know, crazy about, nothing is happening, guys, I loan your, your, you know, you understand, you are the, I mean, <laughs> you are more righteous than the Son of God, in fact, you are an angel of the living God. You understand? Or two, something is wrong with your biology and you need to see a doctor. You understand? And you are hiding it under Christianity. Praise God. And three, you are lying, my brother. <laughs> you are lying. And don't come and tell me I'm the, of, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Even if I tell a lie, it's the truth. Shut up. Stop that nonsense. Lies lie. <laughs> Someone say, was teaching one thing. That oh, when the righteousness of God lies, oh, it is the truth. <laughs> You know, this your meditation has made you mad. Yeah, not good in a good way, like Paul, that is, is, you are mad. Lies lie. The Bible did not say when Abraham lied that that light became a truth. No, he lied. Praise the Lord. The Bible did not tell us that when David took another man's wife, all right, in the realm of the spirit, that woman became his wife, and mm, it stood on that man's wife. In fact, it still tells us thousands of years after for um, Bathsheba, who was Uriah's word, wife, to let you know that the scriptures does not forget. Hallelujah. Sound doctrine. Free of error. So the doctrine is free of error. In that it communicates 100% the nature character of God revealed in Christ Jesus. That's sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is the doctrine that uh, um, uh, manifests 100%. That manifests unequivocally all right, the nature and character of God as revealed in Christ Jesus. That's sound doctrine. So sound doctrine is the doctrine of Christ free of any philosophy of men. All right, any philosophy of men, any cultural over amplification that is not consistent with the tenets of the gospel. Philosophy of men in John 15 9, it says, Commandments of men that their, their worship is vain for they, they are teaching doctrine. As commandments of men. So you find, let me even explain this quickly. One of the major issues Jesus had with the Pharisees was this. I will explain. 
So, you know the Bible that we have, the Old Testament Bible? That is what is called the Torah, you know, by the Jews. All right? So, it has the prophets, then it has the Psalms, and it has the law. That is what was given to the, na the, the, the nation of Israel. But, the Pharisees and the Sadducees add another document. Another document that they reference, that they refer to. Praise God. Another document. Okay? It was called the Oral Torah. I've forgotten the name in the Hebrew, but it's stuck somewhere. But it was called the Oral Torah. And what that book represented was um, the traditions that a lot of the Israelites imbibed over time. So it had, it's like, um, how do I put this? You know, in, in law, you have Supreme Court's verdicts, okay? Then you will now have some lawyers, scholars, who will now write on their understanding of the verdict. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. So they have all those things in books, okay? Now, what we now have was that the Jews had some rabbis and some scholars, okay, over the years that now had opinions on different things in the law of Moses, and they wrote down what their opinions were. Over time, those opinions now became the real teaching. I'll give you an example. You know when the Jews began to practice that, um, uh, what do you call it? Whenever they wanted to enter somewhere, they washed their hands. They will wash the cup. They will wash it this way. Ceremonial cleansing and washing and washing and all those things. Many of those things were not in the Torah. Praise God. They were not in the Torah. It wasn't there. Hallelujah. It wasn't there. So majority of the conflicts that the Pharisees had with Jesus was not about what was inside the Bible. No. It was about their own traditions that the explanation and the teaching of Jesus kicked against. That was the issue. Traditions. So, Jesus said, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a what? A den of thieves. But they have said, no, there's nothing wrong with selling inside the temple. Traditions of men. Their own traditions of men. When it came to prayer, their doctrine of prayer was for them to what? Make it in what? In open places. Where everybody could see them. Jesus comes and says, prayer was not like that. There is no example of prayer where people use prayer as something to draw attention to themselves. It was something they, they did, alright, in solitude to God. And that says, when you pray in public so that everybody will see you have gotten your reward. That went against their doctrine, their teaching, which was the traditions of men. Praise God. Then it comes to the Bible talks about honor your father and your mother that you may be where with you that you may live long on the earth. These guys now come and say, No, whatever your father and mother get from you is Koban. They come to say, You don't have to honor your father and your mother, which was against. So that means bring what you bring your seeds to church. You don't need to take care of your mother and father. 
traditions of men. And when they, 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 they did that, Jesus says, what you are doing is leading people to hell because your teaching position is, in, is directly contradictory to the scriptures. So he says your worship is vain. It is empty. Because if it is not an accordance to sound doctrine, there's nothing inside. Hallelujah. Let us run this off quickly. I don't know if this is helping anybody. This is our introduction. All right. But I hope this is helping somebody. Hallelujah. Now, see. So sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. Look at Titus chapter 1 verse 9. Sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. Healthy doctrine. You will not be able to get believers who are sound in the faith if what they are hearing is not sound. You won't be able to produce believers who are sound in the faith if what they are hearing is not sound. Sound doctrine produces sound believers in the faith. Titus 1.9, can we put it up? So whenever you look at a set of folks who attend a church who you now find that there's some consistency in some bad behavior amongst them, you can easily point to the doctrine. There are times when it's an individual, just an individual. But when it is consistent, you can easily point to the doctrine that there's something these people are hearing that is making them unsound. Hallelujah. There is something they are what? Hearing that is making them unsound in the faith. Okay? Can we read Titus 1 9? Real quick. Yes. Yes. Go. He said, holding fast what? The faithful word, as he has been taught, that he may be by what? Sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Are you seeing that? So, by sound doctrine, he is able to what? Exhort and convince the gainsayers. Glory to God. Have you read Titus 2 verse 1? Eh? Let's look at Titus 2 verse 1. It says, but speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. That the aged men be what? Sober, grave, temperate, what? Sound where? Sound where? In faith. Healthy in faith. <coughs> Healthy in faith. So, men will be sober, grave, temperate, self-controlled, sound in faith. In love, in patience. Glory to God. Hallelujah. When they hear sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is in top instruction. It is healthy. So because they hear it and you command, you command it, you announce it, you proclaim it in your teaching. Systematically, you know, showing from scriptures that this is the way to live. You will produce it. In the hearers. Hallelujah. Now, this is very, very important. Very, very important. Hallelujah. I, I, must, I must actually, you know, stress, right, that as a church, it's very, very important that we continually 
all right, teach sound doctrine. Now, I must say something that sometimes what people champion as sound doctrine may not, don't accept what people say is sound doctrine on the basis of that they say sound doctrine. You must make sure you know what is sound by what? Understanding the system of Bible, the system of what? Bible interpretation to know what the scripture is actually saying. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. You have to apply that system, know what the scripture is actually saying, and go line upon line, 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 and you arrive at what is sound. Hallelujah. Okay? Because we know, for example, whatever is not of love, whatever is not of faith, is what is sin. All right? And anything that does not have, any doctrine that does not have love in it, cannot have Christ in it. You understand? Because Christ is love, God is love. So when we have all those things in place, you now begin to say, you now begin to, you know, someone comes and says, oh, we should do this, we should do this, we do this. You now ask questions, where is love in it? Where is faith in it? Hallelujah. Where is Christ in this? When we look at this, does this properly reveal the nature of God as seen in Christ Jesus? Christ is the image of the invisible God, the express image of the Father's person. Does this doctrine reveal that? Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Does it reveal that? Then this doctrine, does it, you know, inspire me, all right, to do more and more for the kingdom or to do less for the kingdom? Does this doctrine inspire me to go out and fulfill God's plan for my life or does it inspire me to go out and fulfill my plan for my life? Are you following what I'm saying? Very, very important. When you ask these questions, it is easy to know what is sound doctrine and what is not. Hallelujah. What is sound doctrine and what is not? Another thing that is not sound doctrine is that when it does not make Bible sense. Let me give you an example. Saul comes and says, it is a sin for a Christian to be sick. I don't ever heard stuff like that. Ah, sick is sick. Ha, ah, it's a sin. So I'm like, hmm. Praise God. I will now remember that Apostle Paul left a guy called Epaphras in a particular place, and the person was what? Was sick. He talks about Epaphroditus was close to dying. Now, does it mean sickness is the will of God for a Christian? No. But it means it is possible, hallelujah, for a believer to be what? To be sick. And there is no place where the Bible calls it sin. Are you following what I'm saying? But what we see is in the scriptures, God is actively working to get the believer healed and back to his feet. Hallelujah. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall what? raise him up. Do you understand that? We can see that. All right? God is actively working to get that, that believer healed and on his feet. Then another person comes and says, Oh, Jesus did not die for us to be rich. He died for us to be forgiven. Correct. Hallelujah. But when we look through scripture, do we find a God actively working to provide and meet the needs of his children? The answer is what? 
Yes. Yes. Praise God. So sometimes, some doctrinal positions look nice. But you must understand the didache, the method, the system at arriving at the truth. Because if the manner and the method and the system is wrong, the doctrine cannot be what? Cannot be right. Praise the Lord. Now, and I want to encourage every single one of us today. I, and I will say it, you know, with emphasis. A lot of emphasis. These things you are hearing, and the message, several messages that have been taught, please apply yourself to them. If there is one of the most, one, one very, very shocking thing I found out, you know, about this work of Christianity is that man has the capacity to forget. Your mind eh, is like a very deep ocean. Very deep ocean. If you do not continually do all that is written in the word, you just need one or two bad associations. You will forget. There are many examples of people that have forgotten. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, there are some people that say, Ah, Pastor Femi, I remember how we used to do back in the day. I just want to encourage you, sir. <laughs> I want to encourage you, sir. Keep the fire burning. I mean, you inspire me, sir. And my question is, bro, <laughs> what of you? What are you doing? You're acting as though I'm the only one that will stand before this presence of God. Listen to me. Understand why you believe what you believe. Look, a lot of people will come against you to question. Hallelujah. Yeah. Don't expect to live your life without someone coming to question why you believe what you believe. Amen. Yeah. Remember what we said on Sunday? Consistency is the proof of what? Conviction. Consistency is the proof of what? Con now, you see, for you to arrive at conviction, there must be consistency. You understand? So, consistency is both a method and a word, a proof. So, you have to consistently feed on those things. It will bet conviction in you, and the betting of conviction in you is going to what? Uh, 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 um, be... Uh, proven by your um, um, consistency in it. Praise the Lord. Now, I was thinking of something. Yesterday, my, uh, you all know, my wife put to bed. You know, now, yeah, yeah, I know. But there's something that happened that, you know, was the teaching moment for me. So, wife was in labor. In the morning of yesterday, went to the hospital to go there around 11. And all through the day, oh, she's at 4 cm, she's at 4 cm. They face met another, they, and, and all. And the contractors were coming and she didn't make any progress. And my wife was in so much pain. You know, labor pains, you know how it is. No, you don't. You actually don't. You don't. All right. Because in labor pains and all. 
Then my wife just started crying. Oh, when she cried, my heart just broke. <laughs> so they went, they did the induction, put the oxytocin and every single thing. And the pain, the construction was increasing and all. But she was, they were still saying she was first year, and all. Then I was charging my phone as I was speaking in tongues as usual. Then she asked the nurse to tell them to call me inside. So I came inside, you know. And I was with her. Then she now was, isn't it? She now looked at me and said, Babe, said what? I'm tired. You are tired first year. Now, I have thought over the years the power of God is at work in me. That, you have thought that. I've preached that. All right? The Spirit of God does not visit, He inhabits. I've thought that. I'm convinced about it. So, what did I do? I just put my hands in the labor. We're there, we were there. So, I put my hands on my wife's head. And I began to transmit the power of God into her body while I was there. So, I put my hands on her head and began to breathe the power of God into her body. Because she said she was tired, so she needed supernatural strength. Right? And as I did that, I could see the effect immediately. Praise God. And as the power of God moved through our body, all of a sudden, the, the, everything began to work. Our body opened up and the child came out. You understand? Now, why did I tell you that? Because it is at crucial moments in your life that your true convictions will be tested. You understand? So it is easy to say the power of God is our man when there's no storm. Are you following what I'm saying? When there's no storm, when there's no challenge. But when those challenges come, when those issues come, praise God, whether or not you have conviction, glory to God. The challenge will reveal it. So what do you do? Don't take these teachings for granted. Go and listen and listen again. Let conviction build in you. So that faith is not a act you put on. Do you understand? Or a movie character. You say, ah, okay now, this challenge is coming. Okay, I'm supposed to switch to my Christian self. Oh yeah, what do we used to say again, church? From within, I bring forth. Mountains, they bow before me. What's the other one? I am better. Do you understand? No. You, you, you get the point that it is who you now are. Hallelujah. It has become, this is who you are. Those words you've heard and has been taught properly, you understand it. It has become a cogitation, the meditation of your heart. This is how you think. This is how you see life. You will now respond from that. Hallelujah. So when somebody sees you wearing a trouser, I remember one time we're in Lucky Church, um, my daughter Tiwa, she was leading prayer and she was first service in Lucky and she was leading prayers and she was wearing a trouser. She looked nice in the trousers. Then the guy walked out of the service. I mean, the first service. Because a lady that did not wear scarf and trousers was leading prayer. 
And someone went out to stop him and said, what's the matter? He said, ah, somebody is leading, leading prayers with the hair uncovered and wearing trousers. That I can't, that that is not the touch of the living God. Why did he have that position? It's not someone that taught him. Praise God. Someone that taught him. The person that was the chairman of that teaching in this country has changed. Because he has seen that that his position was a wrong one. Salvation is not about your hair. Glory to God. Amen. And trouser does not belong to men. Praise the Lord. It's not a man. It's not, we don't own it. I cannot wear Tyro's trousers, for instance. I'll look weird. Praise the Lord. So, let's understand these things because challenges will come to threaten your conviction. If your conviction shakes, it's because you didn't have a conviction in the first place. Have you been blessed today? Can we just go ahead and just thank the Lord? Bless his name. Oh, we thank you, Father. We do hope you. Oh, my sigi di baptis in nongi satis. Manana kose ketele basata. Imanama kote keteke baramasoto kobori misite ke barabahaya. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, kindly search for our Telegram channel using the link t.me slash oikia God has blessed you.